Welcome to Curated Advice on Better Living. Get different perspectives on personal development like healthy habits, mindset, relationships, functional movement, and biohacking. If you're looking to improve your life, but you're overwhelmed by the endless sea of self-help content, you've found your new home. We'll talk to all sorts of people from other cultures, accessing different philosophies, real people's stories, and the lessons they've learned along the way. This is the Curated Advice on Better Living Podcast. And now your host, Khaled Sultan. Episode one, where this podcast kicked off, was recorded right here in the farm with Moby. And we're back to chat. Yeah, I think we live in a world where people just react to everything around them. And I just saw this post earlier today where it said, I'm not depressed. I'm just reacting to the world around me. And I felt that. I'm like, but is that healthy, though? No, obviously, it's not healthy. But why why do you think we're like that? I think people are just conditioned to react to the outside world. But people don't understand that. Yes, you know, there are things that really do trigger and make you feel a certain way. But towards the end of the day, like, will it pay your bills? Will it help you achieve what you're trying to achieve? And, and it's just not that. It's just like just for your own mental health and physical health. It's true. I think it's one thing. Okay, I, I get it where people get all worked up and riled up over a cause or over a world event that happened. I get that. You know, I think that's a normal thing. But to just like put that really negative energy out there. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know, in the car, we were talking about stillness, right? And yeah. how people are always reacting to things. We're in a reactive state. So I mean, the way I see it is when you're in a reactive state you're letting external things affect your emotions you know you're letting things influence you and you have no control over those things you have no control of something in the news that bothers you you have the control of choosing not to tune into news because it's always negative you have no control over i don't know someone sending you a text message that bothers you like someone you know people are going to do what they're going to do things are going to happen you're going to get a flat tire i mean worse things can happen you have no control over those things at the end of the day the only thing you have control of is how you react to those things or whether you react just your emotions at the end of the day i remember when i was talking to anka i think it was on episode eight i'm not sure but she was talking about how she was talking to a Buddhist monk and he was like do you think I put this yellow robe on and suddenly I'm enlightened I'm meditating every single day you're constantly working towards that you constantly have to meditate you constantly have to work on yourself it's not easy and I feel like naturally humans are very reactive we get very emotional and I guess that's the state I would like to achieve one day maybe you feel the same way it's like more of a stillness more fluid more like water like Bruce Lee says where you know you're not hard and you're constantly reacting constantly having an emotional reaction to things being upset you know be fluid let things yeah, go take it easy for your own sake for your sanity i actually read this book called the game of life and how to play it and the author put her ideology in that way exactly just to be like water one thing that really sucked by me is that let the world be what it is you know if you are constantly reacting to every single thing around you and making you feel a certain way, you're going to get more of that in your life. It's important to remain calm. And it's a very easy thing to say, but it's a very difficult thing to do, to remain still, to remain calm. Because you mentioned the book, The Game of Life. When we were on the way here, you were talking about how it was written back in the 1800s. And it's crazy because I find some of the old like literature or books 
to be the most relevant today. The book is basically touches on the law of attraction, but it really specifies it. It's not what the secret made it out to be because the secret gave people this illusion that, you know, whatever you think you're going to get. And I agree with that. But if you think of something that you really want, but still have doubt over whether or not you're going to get it, you're not going to get it because you're putting the doubt out in the world. Imagine like going from Doha to the farm, right? We're driving from Doha to the farm. You already know we're going to get to the farm, right? You hope we yeah, the hope is there. So within the book, I said, if you have a hope of a mustard seed, that's all you need for you to achieve what you want. A hope of a mustard seed. What does that mean? Mustard seed. You know, a mustard seed where yeah. it's, it's, have you ever seen a mustard seed? I have. Yeah. So if you have a hope that small, that's more than enough for you to achieve what you want. So the point is to have hope. To have hope. And to go back into the book, there was a story that the author actually said or told. It's about this woman who's facing a court hearing. So she's being sued for $5,000. Remind you, that's back in the 1800s. $5,000, like a lot of money. Dude, that's then. like $5 million yeah, now. So that, that's, that's a lot of money. So the woman went to the author and was telling her, you know, I'm facing these kind of issues. And can you just help me? The author told her, listen, I know that you don't have the money right now, but act as if you already have it. The woman told her, like, but how? How do I act as if I already have it, you know? Yeah, like, I don't have it. Yeah. So, so it's like, how do I do it? She's like, just get an expensive meal, you know? Just one meal. Just get an expensive meal. Enjoy it. Don't feel bad about it. Be happy that you got the meal. Appreciate it. And act as if you already have that money. How does that feel? Are you going to be excited? Are you going to be ecstatic? She said, yeah, I'm going to be happy about it. Then feel this happiness. As you're eating this meal, as you're enjoying it, feel that you're, enjoy the luxury of it. Enjoy the time you're spending with this meal. So the day came for her court hearing. She didn't have the $5,000 that didn't come to her. So it didn't work. The Did law of attraction. Or... So she went back to the woman and she told her, I did what you told me to do and it still did not work. So the woman asked her, were you fearful? Was there any doubt in you? So she said, yeah, I mean, I did have moments when I just felt that I was very scared. I was fearful of uh, the court hearing and what's going to happen, whether I'm going to be homeless. But she said, that's the thing. You know, you allowed that fear to seep in. Just enjoy your time. Enjoy the fact that you have this money and then it will come to you. So one day the woman was sitting in her house, completely depressed, not knowing what to do. Her cousin came to visit her. So she was she didn't want to see him. And but for some reason, as she was telling him to go away, like there was a hint of curiosity where she said, I just want to know what he wants. She opened the door, called yeah. him back in. Imagine if he wants $5,000. And I was like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye. And then I came into her house and gifted her $5,000. Just like that? Yeah. Gifted her $5,000. She's like, here, you know, I don't know what happened. I can't remember the details of it, but he gifted her $5,000. So she got it. You know, she got the money. She went to court, settled everything. And... Florence, that's the author's name, Florence, checked on the woman about a couple days later and she confirmed everything for her. She said, yeah, like my cousin came and gave me $5,000 and I settled everything in court. And this is another thing that a lot of people don't do. A lot of people are not really open to receiving. You know, if you're the type of person, that usually happens to a lot of people who are giving, who give a lot. They're givers, basically. Yeah. And when it's time for someone to give back to them, they feel very uncomfortable accepting anything. 
I know I'm one of those people, but I've slowly began to just accept what others give me. What do you think that's rooted in? Like, why would uh, someone be reluctant to receive? I mean, if they're a giver, why would they be reluctant to receive? I mean, I know I can speak for myself. It's that you sometimes don't feel, I don't want to say worthy, but it feels like that sometimes, you know, when you're just trying to give, give. Part of me feels like, oh, I'm just trying to prove that, you know, I'm a good person or trying to prove that I'm going to be there for you, hoping that, you know, I don't expect anything back, but I do expect some loyalty from that person. I just get uncomfortable. I just really get uncomfortable when someone does something nice to me, like my project right now. I am so overwhelmed with the amount of people that actually want to be involved in it mm. that sometimes I'm just like, whoa, like, I don't know, dude. Like, I can't explain it. Like, I'm just so not used to having so many, so many people willing to help. I think that a lot of people... I would say 99% of the world population are just don't ask for help or too afraid to ask for help because of rejection. Yeah, that's true, man. We were talking about this earlier. People are afraid of rejection and people are afraid of failure. And like the last episode I released, which was about journaling, and I was talking about how when you write down, you know, your goals or you specify your goals, you also open up the chance of failure. Because if you specify, like, let's say, I don't know, I want to earn $2,000 in passive income a month. There's also now that you've identified it, the chance of failure where you don't earn that. And so people are afraid of failure. I mean, everybody is, including myself, but it's being able to, I guess, at least like have a goal, specify it and go after it. And then even if you don't achieve it, you realign and then go for it again, because at least you're aiming towards something. So, okay, the book that you're talking about is called The Game of Life and How to Play It. The bottom line is of that entire book is identifying what you want, right? And just stay still, work towards what you want. And whatever happens, whatever rejection you get, just be like, okay, next, you know, is not to take anything personal. Because if you were to take anything personal, you put doubts in what, what you want, all the fears will start seeping in, and then you just lose track. So I think the whole point of the law of attraction and what a lot of people don't get is that people think, oh, just think about it and I'm going to get it. Cool. I'm like, no, it's not like that. Identify it. Speak it. That's another important thing. Okay. That what you say is very important because even if you don't feel it still say it like i'm working on my web series right now right yeah and sometimes there are days where i honestly feel i'm so demotivated and sometimes the project seems so much bigger than i am but I just stop myself. I just stay calm. And meditating helped me with that a lot by just shutting my mind off. And I just tell myself, and I literally just speak it, whether it's under my breath or out loud, I just say to myself, it's okay. Everything is fine. This project will be successful. Just take a deep breath. You're, you're going to be okay. Just understand and know that it will happen. And I will find the right actors for it. I will find the right crew for it. I will find the right place for it. It's okay. Even if I don't feel it at that moment, I say that to myself to stay calm and to put it out there into the universe that, that this is my intention and this is what I want. And I'll also, like, it became part of my 2022 New Year's resolution along with staying still is watching what I say. And that's another important thing that a lot of people don't do because when you're feeling shitty and you're feeling down and 
also notice this and honestly to all the listeners out there when you sit with your friends like pay attention to what you talk most of the time you're just just like talking shit about your life all the wrong things that's going on complaining complaining is talking about how nothing's working out pay attention to that because the more you talk about that the more it's going to happen so it's not just the negative thoughts you have inside your head but also what you say out loud exactly. to your friends and exactly. conversations you have even when you do have negative thoughts fake it you know i don't want to say i don't want to say fake it till you make it but it's okay to process these feelings and to understand where they come from and where they're rooted in but at the same time towards the end of the day, just tell yourself, I'm going to be okay, and I am going to get what I want, and it's not that big of a deal. No. Everything's going great in my script. Everything is great. You know, I am yeah. so happy right now. But, <laughs> you know? No, but at the end of the day, like, we owe, it to the, we owe it to the listeners and to ourselves to be truthful. We talked about this on the first episode, you know, it's a process. And a I was process. telling you, like, it's a process. It's up and down. Like, you were feeling bad that the past week, you know, you were sick, and you just had no motivation to write. And I'm yeah. telling you, like, dude, you've been working so hard on writing, like, what's one week of taking easy and re-energizing because you're not a robot and the creative endeavor like where the creative pursuit is a hard one and sometimes we feel demotivated man sometimes i feel demotivated and it's just like i realized and this is something that i want to work on in 2022 and it's so we often attach like happiness to an outcome like if i achieve this or if, if i can live off my podcast or if my web series kicks off or if i get this dream job i'm gonna be happy but, but it's a journey and so like throughout that journey you know like time is moving along and time is one of the most valuable things are you just not gonna feel happiness like that's the question that i have see i just feel like happiness became such an illusion at this point if i achieve this i'm gonna be happy if i do that i'm gonna be happy but if you really think about it even when people achieve what they want achieve their goal they're still looking for reaching for something else what's next Th yeah like they're not happy so when are you gonna be happy i think one thing that i've learned is I used to watch a lot of Abraham Hicks videos and who those who don't know her, she's actually like a spiritual leader where she talks about the thought and the process of your thoughts and how it attracts essentially the law of attraction. But she goes into it in more detail, more realistic way where she makes you understand how to live your life in a way that is more proactive than reactive. And you can watch her videos. It's they're free on YouTube. And she said that a lot of people when they have a goal and they say, well, if I when I achieve that, that's when I'm going to be happy. But once they achieve that goal, there's always something else to reach. And so they're not really happy. They're looking for another thing to be happy. When they get to that goal, they're like, oh, when I reach that, then I'm going to be happy. And I reach that. And then she's like, when are you going to be happy? So the best way for you to allow what you want, all your desires in is just to accept where you are right now and really appreciate it and love where you are. Because if you don't love where you are and you're constantly complaining, guess what? Like you're going to get more of that. I'm still working on it. I'm not I'm going to say I'm totally there. I don't think I'll ever be there, but a constant evolution regarding human growth. But I'm learning just to love where I am, to accept where I am, because this is where I am right now. And there's a purpose to where I am right now. It's a very interesting concept. And if you, again, when you hang out with your friends, just really pay close attention to what you talk about, because most of the time is just complaining about stuff. Yeah. yeah, man, that's definitely something that's really important is that inner critic, that negative inner critic and you have to catch it's almost like you have to catch yourself you yeah know? it's like and that's why i really recommend journaling i'm sure there's other methods and like what's something that you're doing right now or something that's worked for you when it comes to like combating that negative speak first of all is to realize or to notice that it's there just about this past week as i was telling you you know 
I was sick the week before and this past week I was just not motivated to do anything, literally anything. And I do remember I was just, you know, evaluating everything. You know, I have my script, I have my job and and it's just like all these negative emotions came about. I remember this thought exactly. I thought, what the hell am I doing? You know, I'm working on this like TV series. It's so big and I'm just one person. And then I was like, I stopped myself. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I just tell my brain, thank you so much, but I'm okay. I got this. It's fine. It's fine. Like, just take a deep breath. You're going to be fine. You were sick the past week. Your body just recovering this week. Everything's going to be fine. Focus on what you have to do. You don't have to focus on the entire end goal. Like, what do you want to do now? Okay, you want to sit and want to just watch a movie? Let's put it on a movie and let's just watch it. You want to order junk food from outside? Let's order junk food from outside if that's going to make you feel better. It's just realizing those negative thoughts. Once you realize those negative thoughts, that's how you slowly will start to get it. And you'll be much kinder to yourself. So yeah, I just think that, you know, just realizing when those negative thought comes in, but because let me tell you, they come in a lot. And sometimes you don't even know, like, no, you don't notice even them. think you don't notice it, you know, something that I'm still working on And my 2022 resolution is really just to stay still. And let me tell you, the second one, anxiety is a bitch. Oh, it's yeah, we all deal bitch. with anxiety, man. We all deal with oh, anxiety. Oh, my God. That's I feel like that's the enemy. I feel like if anything, you know, it's like when people say don't be your worst enemy, it's I feel like it's that, you Dude, know, it's, here's the thing. We are our worst enemy because I was having this conversation with someone. Actually, I wasn't even having a conversation. He told me, oh, do you know this person? I'm like, no. And he's like, that's your competition. Like, this is a fellow. Part. Like, that's your competition. I looked at them and I was like, no, it's not my competition. And I actually mean it. It's not my yeah. I don't know who this person is. I wish them the best because I believe in supporting other creative people and having a collaboration culture, but I'm my competition. I'm my worst enemy. If there's anything that's going to get in the way of my success, it's me. For real, dude. You know, I just have to look in the mirror. That's yeah. my worst enemy. Let me tell you, it's exactly what you said. When someone told you, oh, this is your competition, a lot of people would be like, oh my God, like I have to, you know, I have to work harder or what, what, what are they doing? And you're trying, trying to bring them down. But it doesn't really matter, dude. Really, because towards the end of the day, what's meant to be yours will be yours. And what's, what's meant to be theirs will be theirs. I remember when I first got into acting and the whole film industry, it used to really get to me. My anxiety would kick in and that would affect my performance and it would affect my confidence walking into auditions but once I've you know started doing the inner work and starting to realize that I am my own competition you know if I'm auditioning with another person and that person gets the job well maybe it's meant for them it's not meant for me and that's okay let them get the job you know they're not going to take anything away from me I'm still going to have another opportunity coming my way. Maybe this is not the right project for me maybe there's another project that will propel me to more success than this Maybe it's their time to shine. I don't know what the hell they've gone through in their life. And this is another thing that I've noticed within the creative industries is that people try to bring you down. And oh, yeah. there's a lot of people that would, like, wouldn't even help you at getting connections with anyone out of fear that you're going to take their spot. But I'm just like, dude, there's nothing. There's literally nothing for them to take. So going back, talking about the creative industries and how a lot of people are just not going to help you because out of jealousy or out of the fact that, you know, you might get a better opportunity and that might make you. I'm just like, dude, there's literally, listen, listen, first of all, no one in this world can take what's meant for you. That's like true. nobody in this world can take what's meant for you. So when you help another person or a fellow actor, podcaster, painter, whoever it is, it's like you're not losing anything. You literally are not losing anything by helping that other person. Yeah. And there's a thing called good karma. You know, I truly believe if you 
move with good and pure intentions of helping another person achieve their goal, the same thing will happen to you. You know, someone else will come in or there is like the universe might give you a great opportunity that's just meant for you. And yeah, dude, that is something I never really understood. It's true, though. I mean, no, it's really true. Like in the creative industry, and I'm sure in other industries, people listening, even in like a lot of corporate work and stuff, people put each other down out of fear of losing their position or opportunities. And it's honestly, it's disgusting. Dude, when I first started working right after Northwestern, I do remember that there are some people who are higher up than me saw me as a threat. Oh my God. As if I'm going to take their job. I'm like, first of all, I don't want your fucking job. Okay, relax. Like you think I'm going to want to be here in the I think everybody's world? after you. Like it's yeah, very like, egotistical. Seriously. And then they would deliberately not help you because out of fear that you might succeed in something. And then the manager, the boss, whoever who's in charge might see your potential and might put you in their place. I'm like, where did that even come from? Where did that come from? You know, that's not true. And I don't want that. And let me tell you something. And that's something my dad taught me is that whoever wants to come after me, like if I'm in a job position or they're threatened by me, my dad always tells me like, stay calm. And if they want the job, I'm like, here, you want the job? You can take it. Because like there's other things in my life that I have that have more meaning for me. You know, that's exactly how I was when I started in corporate, you know, when I got into corporate, I honestly, everybody around me was just so scared. And I'm just like, dude, I don't even want to be here in two years. I want to get the hell out. Yeah, you know, man. I have no interest in being corporate. And it's like the people that are operating, I feel like a lot of people are operating off of a, like a primal mindset. Like it's a fear mindset or a scarcity mindset. And they feel like everybody wants to eat off of their plate and it's competition and then going back to helping people. And well, number one, if you put people down, you're not going to put yourself up. Yeah. All you're doing is you're putting something negative out into the world. And by not helping each other out, you know, you're not creating a collaboration. This is why I talk about the collaboration culture, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to creative people and especially when it comes to indie creative people. Oh, hell yeah. Like you're doing this web series and you're independent. I'm doing this podcast. I'm independent. There's a lot of people who are independent creatives. And there's a lot of like major production industries. So us independent creatives should be supporting each other. We shouldn't be competing with each other. We should be helping each other. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the mindset that I have. So when that person was like, oh, this person is your competition. I'm like, no, the more podcasts in the country, then there's a podcast culture. The more likely I will succeed. More power to you. You know what I mean? Like that's the mindset I have. Of course, when I was younger, and I I feel like when, like, this is a maturity thing. Unfortunately, some people don't mature out of it. Like, other people succeeding doesn't take anything away from you. You should be genuinely happy for other people, and it should motivate you. And at the end of the day, you're your worst enemy, and you're your own competition. And if you operate from that mindset, like, when it comes to comparison, don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Are you Amen. better than who you were yesterday? Yeah. And that's how you should operate, man. And I guess Say this that is part for of the growth. people in the back. Right? Did you hear that? People in the back? Yeah. I think most of the <laughs> most of the people tuning into the podcast are I think they're also they come from this mindset of growth and they're quite mature and yeah. And then they're into like, you know, learning through dialogue and conversation and being curious. Yeah. When I'm working on this web series, I loaded the actors I hired. I told them from the get-go, like, I want this to open doors for you guys. I want a casting director, a director to see this and see your potential because I want them to succeed in life. Yeah. They're doing this because they love it. 
And like, what kind of person or a director creator would I be if I were to hire someone, an actor, and be threatened over the fact they might outshine me? I'm like, I don't care. At the end of the day, even if they succeed and they do well, that's good for you. That's good for you. I succeeded. That's great. You know, I'm so, I'm glad. Like, you know, if I have one actor in my show make it big, I'll be so humble and grateful for that. Yeah, then they're going to look back and, you know, be like, oh, look, they started out with this series. and Right. You know, and there's nothing, there's literally nothing to be threatened for. And there's, I always believe that, you know, sometimes in this life, when you go after something, it might not be the thing that it is, you know, like, let's say someone wants to be a singer, you know, and they created this whole, like, you know, album and everything. But what shines the most is not their vocal ability or how they sing those songs, but the nature of their songwriting. So then they move transition into songwriters because that's their strength, you know? So it's not always what you think it's going to be. And whenever I do something, when I started my web series, I always like put it out there in the universe. I want to have a career that I wake up every single day and be so proud of. I want to have a career where in 10 years, 20 years, I can see the products or the movies that I've written. And I want to feel such an immense of gratitude. And I want to be so proud of myself. I always put it out there in the universe because I want to be an actor, right? I am an actor. I'm an actor and a writer, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing that we talked about earlier, right? Like we've talked about this because I've known you for... We've known each other for 10 years and I've known you in the beginning of this journey and you've known me in the beginning of my journey. And I wasn't even into podcasting beginning of my journey. Like I was pursuing other things, but you know, it was hard to say like, hey, I'm an actor. Like for you, you struggle to tell people I'm an actor because people's reactions and people who are not creative don't get it, but people's reactions like, oh, what movies have you been in? And it's like, well, I've only done some student films. Like I'm not in, in like, I don't know, Die Hard or whatever movie that you would know. But that doesn't make you not an actor. Just because your paintings aren't selling in huge galleries, that doesn't mean you're not a successful painter. Just because you, I don't know, whatever it is, whatever it is, the point is having the courage to and confidence to say what you are, say what you are. Yeah. And that's one thing that really helped me a lot. Because the second I began saying I am an actor and I'm a writer is when I put 110% into my craft. Because... I felt like I actually really am. And when I tell people now that I'm an actor and a writer, I just feel so proud of it because not only do I have something to show, but I'm working and constantly evolving in my writing and in my acting craft. So when I sit and I write or when I'm preparing for a role, I just know that I'm going to be great. You know, I know I'm going to be good at it because I own that. I own that title. And I'm gonna, instead of how it was before five years ago when someone would ask me what I did, I'm like, oh, you know, I, I do some teaching, but I also act on the side. You know, it's nothing big. I was, there's always like this sort of like I mean, just the fact that you just said, yeah, like on the side and, and there's yeah. nothing big, like you're already downplaying yeah, it downplaying as opposed it. to saying, I'm an actor. Yeah. And that's it. Like you know, whatever the person, if they want to perceive it as not big or big, that's on them. Exactly. But you know what you are. Exactly. And it's to be proud of it and own it. And whatever it is, I was so afraid of people laughing at me. That's the thing. I was so afraid of that. And I remember reading this book, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Oh, I read it. 
it's an incredible book. That book changed my life. Let me tell you that. Really? It didn't have that effect on me. Seriously? No, it was a good book though. No, that changed my life because I remember there's a part in the novel where the protagonist was telling a group of people where to find the gold and they just laughed at him. And that was like a message from the author saying that people would laugh at you when you had big dreams, but it's just do not react to it. Just keep on going and work on what we want to work. That goes back into what we talked about, about the book of the game of life and how to play it is that don't react to what people say. Just be like water and move along to where you, where you want exactly. to go. Exactly. That's why, like at the end of my podcast in the outro, I always have that quote, that soundbite from Bruce Lee. You know, be yeah. water, my friend. Yeah. So speaking of reactions, like when you tell people you're an actor or you're writing a web series, what are some reactions that people give you that you know have bothered you, and how have you dealt with it? Oh, okay. I do remember when I first started off in acting and it bothered me a little bit when people used to tell me oh did they run out of people to play terrorists the fuck i know yeah someone told you that so yeah a lot of people told me that assholes yeah yeah dude and i do remember when i began telling people oh i'm an actor and i worked in la and i have an agent and manager and everything they would say oh so how many terrorist roles did you get <laughs> you dude know? who are these people where are you meeting these people they don't sound like good it was people just to be around. like honestly just like at parties or you know dinner parties you know just people that bothered me but i do just remember that part in the book the alchemist where people laughed at the protagonist i'm just like well you know you can say whatever you want to say because and towards the end of the day it's not going to change anything man it's not going to change anything i'm still going to go after what i want and it's not going to take away any opportunities for me by people laughing at me. It's okay. Let them laugh. I respect that. It's also, I mean, I appreciate it when people say things like that because it's a reflection of them. And like at the end of the day, when people say stuff like that, it shows their character and you're just like, okay, well, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want to associate with people like that. Yeah. But man, I'm just wondering what kind of parties you went to where you met these kind of assholes. They're actually here in Doha and somewhere in LA as well. I remember the first time it happened, I was in L.A. In L.A., you would expect it. But. Yeah. So it bothered me, but it, it was one of those moments where like, you're so taken aback. I wish just, I was there, man. I would have said something. To yeah. Them. I it's, was just like, there. it's like you're so taken aback, like your mind just goes blank and you just don't know how to react. Yeah, because it's like, who says that, man? Like, yeah. why would you ever say that to someone? Can and, you imagine someone who's, I don't know, this is like, I don't know, man. I, I'm trying to find the equivalent of this, but this is like. If you met someone who's an actor and they're Indian and they told you like, yeah, I'm an actor. And then your first reaction is to say, oh, did they run out of, I don't know, gas station employees for movies or something? This is yeah. so stupid. Why would you say that? And it's completely unnecessary, you know, but I've got to understand it's just a reflection on people. I mean, when people are drunk, their true self shows. Yeah. And I just learned to just let it slide, not really get to me. And that served me well in this journey. And now I'm at the point where I'm just like, oh, you want to laugh? Cool. Laugh, dude. I'm just going to still do whatever I'm going to do. Thick skin. Yeah, dude. And I still remember that Chris, what's his name? Chris Delia, the comedian. Chris Delia, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> dude, that video you sent me, remember that when he said, oh, when people tell me I suck and then him going like, oh, well, I guess, guess I'm going to quit, quit now. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, 
I honestly respect that kind of thick skin, and I've learned to really develop that over the years. You need, man, you need to have thick skin to survive. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But I think a lot of people, like in this day and age, don't like have very thin skin. Easily triggered. They get offended over everything, everything, even like a joke. You know what I mean? It's like things not taken seriously. Like, man, there's times when like people get triggered and i'm like i'm trying to understand if they're pretending or they're actually offended and triggered because it just doesn't make sense i'm like could you really be that sensitive and it links back to what we were talking about earlier where people are so reactive and that's the problem is you can't control external things like if you heard like people who are triggered by dave Chappelle's stand-up and it's like well just don't watch it then yeah seriously you know back to what i was saying you remember that exercise in acting class where the professor and woodworth would pair you up you know with a partner and you have to just constantly share your dreams like i want to do this i want to do that another person would keep shutting you down and it was a metaphor for our negative self-taught inner critic what was your experience like and what did you like what did you learn from that exercise because there was a method to Anne woodworth's madness yo Anne woodworth was like a whole nother level i learned yeah. a lot from her so with that it really taught me to actually say what I want because I do remember when we were sitting there and I was talking to my partner and I was just so scared to say that I want to be an actor. I was just so scared, dude. Like it was in front of everybody. Everybody was staring at me and, you know, it's like the entire class and the person I'm partnering up with is, ah, oh, dude, I just, I was so afraid to say it. So I just, I said, I want to be in marketing. Oh, you know, I just said, I want to be in marketing. Wow. I was actually in Andrew Woodworth's office. I think it was senior year. And she was asking me what I want to do. And I remember telling her, I think at the time I wanted to pursue, f- can't remember what I wanted to pursue at the time, something to do with, I think maybe it was some like acting or something in the film industry or radio. And then I was like, yeah, I want to do that, but it's too risky. So I'm going to study sociology and then be a professor, which I never went down that route. And I remember she, that. Yeah, you remember I that? I remember that. You, you were going to go that? to sociology. I was really into sociology. Didn't you philosophy. take some sociology courses as well? I ended up in media. I continued with media. But I remember telling her that and she didn't say anything. And I remember looking in her eyes. I remember her thinking like, you got a lot to learn, kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've got a lot to learn, kid. And she didn't even say anything. And she looked at me and I remember that look. And then I look back and I think, ha, huh. yeah, it had that sense of you've got a lot to learn, kid. And it's like, I said it out loud. I said what I wanted. But I said, I'm not going to pursue that because it's risky. And you know, that stuff is instilled in us, man. It's instilled like our parents instill that, like our, our culture, society, people, surroundings, they instill this kind of rhetoric and thought in our head where we start to inhibit ourselves. We start to put obstacles in the way of us achieving our dreams. So we're basically doing their job for them. And it's obstacles that even happen, dude. Obstacles that didn't even happen. And I was talking to Sue Pack about this. Uh, of course, shout out to Sue Pack. Yeah, shout out to Sue. Uh, She's helping you with the script. With She's the a series. screenwriting professor. Yep. Because we were talking about one of the characters and I don't know what this character wants, you know, in the future, what they're fighting for. So she said that, she told me, so tell me about like, why did you want to get into acting all of a sudden? But I went into detail telling her because, you know, over when I want to go into corporate, I just had this hunch that I should just get out of there. It was not working. I did not like the people. The work wasn't fulfilling or wasn't satisfying enough for me to be there. And one thing that I've realized about myself is that I've been chasing careers that would give me the same satisfaction as acting, but 
I reached a point where I was like, I'm just going to get into acting. This is what I'm meant to do. So I'm just going to do it. And you wanted that even before you took these careers. Yes. Way, 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 way before. But I think back then I was just, I was like, well, first of all, I'm Arab. What the hell is going to be open for me in Hollywood? And there was just literally no hope. There's nothing. There was no, like there was a motivation, but the hope was not there. And that's the key. She told me about it. She said that like I chose hope over safety. And that's what society has been telling us is that they keep telling us to chase safety. Stability. Stability. And she said that she has students in her class who are 50 who spent the last 30 years being safe. And now they feel like they can achieve hope. And then they realize that they just wasted 30 years doing what? Nothing that will fulfill them. Well, this is what she told me. And she told me that, oh, I achieved hope at such a young age. And I'm so grateful for that. I'll be damned if I was like 60 years old and just took a chance and hope then. I would, no, no way. Yeah. No way, no way, no way. You know why? Because always constantly be thinking, what would happen if I took hope at 25? You know, where would I be right now? I was with corporate for five years, right? I was supposed to be with them for five years, but I was there for, not even joking with you, three months. Wow, you lasted three months? Dude, I can't even tell you. I did not even want to go. I had this like gut feeling that was just like pushing me away from it. I did not want to go. I didn't want to be there. I just remember, you know, walking in one day, went to my boss saying, I quit. I don't want this anymore. And the reason why I also wanted to quit was because they were not allowing me to go get my master's. And I wanted to get my master's. And I started in the fall 2015. So for five years. So I was supposed to end in fall 2020. What happened in 2020? COVID messed up everything. I wasn't even if like looking back now, I'm like, damn, I'm so glad that I left. Because if I were to stay, that means I would have just left corporate. I don't know what the hell I would be doing right now. But probably would be thinking, oh, man, like, I wonder what, I, what would happen if I actually left at that time. Where would I be right now? Because if you were to tell me back then that I'm be working on a TV series, that I worked in TV shows and Hollywood and movies and music videos, I probably would have told you, get the hell out of here. I wouldn't right. believe you. And that wouldn't have happened if you no. hadn't quit and if you hadn't went to pursue your master's and then pursue acting and getting an agent and, and being out there in L.A. and just going for And that's the thing. Sometimes I think about that, you know? Each decision we make, our life could lead, you know, to a a different place. Like there are so many decisions out there. There are so many different, that's something I think about. Like there are so many different routes. I have so many thoughts in my head. Like there's times I wonder if I want to just go live off the grid. Sometimes I wonder if I want to move here. Sometimes I wonder if like, there are so many different options and your choices all impact your destiny, your life and how it all unfolds. So it's so interesting how you pursuing that, you know, means that, you know, you ended up going through that experience. And me in the radio, you know, I was in radio for over two years. It wasn't really the best environment. But looking back at it, I learned so much. And it was the skills that I developed in radio that I now was able to put into a podcast, right? So sometimes you're in a place or you're in a situation and it just feels hopeless. Things aren't working too well and you just feel kind of stuck. But you never really know what you'll get out of it and Mm -hmm. how that might benefit you down the line. And like, I'd be lying if I said when I was in L.A., or not even when I was in LA, it's like even when I was here, when I got back here, I'd be lying if I didn't say, oh man, I wonder where I'd be if I was still in corporate. I wonder if I'd be making a shit ton of money. I wonder if 
I'd have like a career going on. But then I stopped myself. I'm like, yeah, but look at where you are right now. You're fucking working on a TV series. You know, yeah. you worked in Hollywood. You were in music videos. Like that's way cooler. That's way more fun. And you're, I'm actually going after what I want. Yeah. And at the end of the day, when you're older, you're going to have a lot, you know, cooler stories than if you worked like some regular ass job. Regular, but let me ask you. Regular. Yeah. Now that you're working on this web series, what are your thoughts when it comes to like, what if this, like, of course you have to have confidence and if you pursue something creative, it takes a lot of confidence mm. and energy to pursue it. But what if it doesn't really pan out the way you want it? Like, have you prepared yourself for that mentally? Like, what are your thoughts on that? That's okay. If it doesn't pan out the way I wanted, but you know what? It's still going to be successful because I did it. I did it. I wrote that TV series and I made something out of nothing. To me, that's more than enough. So it's not based on how many, like, are you measuring it based on like how many views or if it gets picked up by like a streaming platform? I mean, obviously that would be amazing and I would love to see that for you. But you're saying... If it didn't, it's fine. I have a lot of things in my life that's going for me. And the fact that I've created a TV series, even if nobody watched it, you know, it's okay. Or web dude, series to clarify. Web series. It's okay, dude. It's fine, you know, but I did it. That's success in its own for me. Like, that's more than enough for me. I'd be so happy. So, and you know this, like, I was writing before I got into radio and before I got into podcasting, I was pursuing writing, creative writing. I was writing a novel. But what, by the way, one of the hardest things to do is pursue writing a novel. And I spent nearly five years writing this one book on and off. And it was such a journey. And it took so much out of me. And Eventually, I submitted it to publishers. It didn't get picked up because it was extremely dark and it's very dark, very edgy. And it's not, you know, it's not what the mainstream consumers would consume. I mean, people now are into, you know, there's safe options, mm -hmm. women's fictions, romance, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, at the end of the day, like I'm looking back at it and I try to tell myself, you know what, I've kind of let it go. And I'm proud that I actually stuck to a creative project for five years but at the same time, it didn't succeed according to my measure of success, which was it getting published. And I didn't care how well it did after I got published, but it getting picked up by an agent and then the agent selling it to a publisher and then the publisher publishing the book was how I measured success. And that never happened. So yeah, I try to look back at it and say, you know what, at least you completed the project. Yeah. Yeah. You can always self-publish it. Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going down that route, though. <laughs> Let me just add something else before I forget it. I was approached by hybrid publishers mm -hmm. that were willing to publish it. But they do like a collaboration thing where you have to pay a certain amount and they publish it for you. And I just wasn't going, I wasn't accepting anything other than traditional publishing because I created this creative work. I've invested so much time. And for me to pour a bunch of money that I don't have into it, mm. It doesn't make sense. I created this creative work. And if, you know, that's why it's so hard to do traditional publishing. An agent deems it, you know, like worthy and that it would sell because at the end of the day, it all goes down to money. Like I'm sure yeah. people would have enjoyed it, but if they deem it worthy and then they sell it and that's great, but I wasn't going to invest a bunch of money because these hybrid publishers are kind of like businesses at the end of the day. So it's like you writing a script and, you know, selling it to an agent who then tells you, yeah, invest $50,000 and I'll produce it for you. It's all about the shmoola with them it's all about the shmoola <laughs> yeah dude you know i think towards the end of the day when you finish a project like a novel it's your baby you know it's something that you've been working you said you worked five years dude. that's a long time to work on a project so what else is up man what else have you been juggling or thinking about recently any experiences any crazy stories lately i've been on this path where 
I've been okay letting people go out of my life because I really had a hard time letting people go because I've always believed in giving people for a second, third, fourth, fifth, even six chances as much as they want. But especially if it's someone that's a close friend, because I always believed that, you know, when someone fucks up and you give them a second chance, I always thought that maybe they'll take this as I'm going to do good this time. I'm going to be better because Moby gave me another chance. But what I came to learn is that the more chances you give, the more people are going to see it as, oh, he gave me another chance. I'm going to fuck up again. So when they do it again, you give them another chance, they fuck up and they're like, oh, he's just going to forgive me again. I'm going to continue doing what I'm true, doing. That's true, but I guess it depends on from person to person. There are people who you give them a second chance and they realize, okay, I did something wrong and uh, this person's giving me a second chance. And then there are assholes that take that for granted and they keep repeating that same pattern, you know? And then if you notice a pattern at some point, you have to be, and if there's no change, if the person's not putting any effort and it's just one-sided, you have to then be willing to let go. And it's when you feel that you're just drained hanging out, being around them, not just hanging out with them. That's a bad sign. Oh, dude, I learned to really trust my instincts. I learned to really trust my instincts. Let me tell you that. And that's one thing that I've been using to guide me in developing this a series, this entire journey from start to end. And if someone doesn't want to be a part of my story or part of my journey in I'm talking about the web series now I'm not talking about my life your life yeah I'm okay with it I'm like you don't have to be a part of it if you don't want to because I do know that universe will bring me someone new similar thing with my life yeah you know, with my friends I, I can't tell you like I've let go of three people in my life that I've honestly thought they were going to be there to the very end okay i think i know who you're talking about but there's no need to mention names yeah <laughs> i always thought they're going to be there to the very end but when the time came that i began to realize that they're not the person who i thought they were i don't know whether they've always been like that and that i had you know because i've been working on myself a lot and maybe then I've, you know, had this awakening and I began to see people who they are or they just changed over time. Dude, you know what's interesting? Some of those people, sorry to interrupt you, try to turn you against me. Yes. And eventually the truth prevails. And yeah. 10 years later, this friendship is flourishing. <laughs> flourishing and thriving. Yeah. <laughs> and this, I mean... This friendship is a cactus, baby. It doesn't yep. need a lot of water. Mm -mm. It thrives in the harshest conditions. We've been in separate countries. We haven't talked for a while. And when we see each other, preach. Feels like yesterday. Yeah. Like honestly, it feels like no time. It's either passed. there or it isn't there. True. Don't force it. True, true. And initially it was really hard for me to let go of these people because I always thought of the potential, you know, I always saw the potential of the friendship, of us having, you know, a long lasting friendship and being there for each other. But one thing I've learned is like the second I let go of them, well, not always a second, but when some time passes, I don't miss them. I don't miss their presence. I don't miss having them around. I actually feel so much better with them not being there. And to me, that was a really big indicator in determining whether someone was actually worth having in my life. Okay. You mentioned an interesting point, which is energy. Mm -hmm. Some people you meet and you feel energized. Some people you meet and you just feel like, oh, your energy's been drained. Or, yeah. or some people call them energy vampires. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to, this is a conversation I've been having recently, I've been thinking about when it comes to energy, like when you walk into a room or you meet somebody and you're like, the vibe is off, the energy is off, or the energy is good and you instantly connect. When it comes to energy, like what do you believe that is? Is it, because this is a theory that I have, and I'm not sure where I read it, the theory that I have is 
this is all like through evolution. It's like genetic code within us. And we pick up on subliminal cues, whether it's facial features, whether it's it's small indicators, you know, like of a room, certain smells, certain certain things, like really subliminal things. And they give us that gut instinct or that bad vibe. So it's not necessarily energy. It's us picking up on subliminal cues and all this data is processed. And then that's when we get that reaction. What are your thoughts on, you know, energy when it comes to people? I think Anka said it best in your last, I think it was episode seven. I think episode seven or, or something eight. like that. Yeah. About alignment and meeting people who are aligned with your own energy. There are some people when I first meet, I can instantly tell that you're someone that I just don't want to have in my life. Bad vibe. Yeah, completely bad vibe. And the way I know about that is they always throw shade. They're always shady. That's one thing. I, like it's, it's very subliminal and it's very sneaky the way they do it. And what do you mean by they always throw shade or it's subliminal? Can you give me like, can so, you think of an example? Yeah. Okay. So I had this friend, right? And I do remember when I was back in LA and I was in my first music video and I was so excited and I had to send an NDA form. So, you know, it's like something so cool happened, but you can't really talk about it, you know? Yeah. So the music video came out and I was finally able to tell everybody. That's a Justin Timberlake music video, right? That's the one. I remember that. I'm so happy <laughs> for you, bro. So the music video came out, it was during the Super Bowl in 2018. And I was finally able to tell people, I'm in this music video, you know? So I told one of my close friends, well, we're not friends anymore, but at the time we were really close. I feel like you consider too many people friends. Yeah, dude, I did. I really did. But now... I reached a point where I don't really need friends, but that's a whole nother topic. We'll talk about it later. Anyways, so I ran into him and I told him, I'm like, yo, you know, I'm just so in, I'm in this music video. And then he was like, the first thing that he said, oh, how many scenes are you in? I was like, oh, I was one of the lead extras. So I was actually had a lot of camera time. And he was like, oh, good. The more they're going to take you out of. And then like at the time I was just, you know, it's like it's similar when people told me, oh, there's no terrorists. You know, they ran out of that's terrorists. very like this very passive. That's very passive, aggressive. Comment. Yeah. And I was like, initially, I was just like, oh, you know, just, you know, probably I just have a thin skin. Just get over. He just like, you know, just fucking around. But then he and I went out to meet with our other friends and I told them, I was like, oh, I'm in music video, Justin Timberlake. That's, you know, I'm so excited. And then he was like laughing. He was like kind of smirking right next to me. I don't know. Like I noticed it, but I just completely ignored him. Everybody was like, so they were congratulating me. They were like, oh, that's so cool, man. Like, you know, right. You see someone that's excited and happy about yeah. something. You should be happy for them. You know, good for you, dude. And then he announced in front of everybody the exact same thing what he told me in person. Oh, like I was like, the more they'll take you out of, you know, the more scenes they'll take you someone out of. Someone was jealous. So for real, tell me about it. By the time I didn't know he was jealous, but that really stung, you know, that really, really stung. And you know that feeling where I think there's a difference between having a thick skin and something that really hits you to your core. And that really hit me in my core because I didn't really expect my best friend to. Oh, shit. Best friend. Yeah. He was one of my best friends. Like, dude, he was like a brother, like a brother, you know, like. Damn, brother. Yeah. You went from friend to best friend to brother, man. Dude, we would talk about us like planning our 80th birthday. That's how I thought he's going to be in my life. Wow. Wow. But anyways, so he would do that. And I do remember, I think I was in a, a movie. I was an extra in a movie and had a, a line in it. Right after we wrapped, you know, although I did sign the NDA form, I still told him. About it. <laughs> I was like, don't tell anybody. You know? Right. You guys are close friends. So there's you know? a level of trust. Yeah. And then I completely forgot about what he said about the music video. So, you know, I just you know, walked up to him and I told him about, you know, I'm in a couple of scenes in an upcoming feature film. 
And he's like, oh, great. Yeah, the moral they'll take you out of. At that point, I literally turned to him. I was like, that's not cool. Like, why are you saying that? That's not cool. He's like, no, no, no. Like, I'm not trying to be mean, but it's kind of true. Like, the more you are in scenes, the more they'll take you out of. I'm like, I do understand that even though if it's true, that's not a nice thing to say. Why would that be the person's first thought or reaction? I just don't get it. That's... I never really took it as jealousy before because I would never thought he would ever be jealous of me because we were... We was were... he trying to be an actor or something? Like, was... He's an artist. Okay, but, yeah, uh, this is some typical artist shit. Exactly. But at the time, I was like, I mean, like, that really stung, you know? You wouldn't expect that. It was things like that where, you know, the second I kind of sense jealousy or sense shade being thrown but pretend mm, but bad no, intentions yeah but like people throwing shade but covering it as they're them playing or pretending that they're playing i'm like oh no dude you don't have any good intentions with me because a true friend would never say that they wouldn't put you down a true dude. friend would be happy for you you're supposed to celebrate your friend's achievements yeah dude and then when you achieve something your friends celebrate you that's and the, the right is the thing is i've always celebrated them like i was celebrated him you know i've always you know he had paintings that no one would ever buy but i bought them because because that's what a true friend would do you're yeah. supposed to support your friends if you have friends that are creative people buy their products don't ask them for discounts buy their products support them yeah. promote them that's what they're supposed to, that's what you're supposed to do as a friend and it seems honestly at the end of the day like from your side it was genuine from his side it wasn't so I mean, you can't have someone like that around. That's not a friend. And he would tell me and he would tell me like, oh, I can give you like, you know, a discount. I was like, no, dude, you worked hard on this painting. I'm going to buy it for its actual price. I don't want a discount on it because I genuinely believe that he deserved, you know, the price of the painting. Like it, he put a lot of hard work into it. But, you know, for him to turn around and to say I'm a best friend and under the same breath, you know, throwing shade and being passive aggressive, I'm just like. That really throws you off. I feel like back in the day, you were surrounded by a lot of bad people oh, yeah, with dude. bad intentions. Oh, and you were God. just constantly like, you had a lot of people you considered your friends that, I don't know, they just, they were toxic or they didn't have the right intention, man. That's the thing. Like right now, I feel like, you see, I'm always, I'm cool with everybody. I always try to keep good vibes with everybody, but I'm not like, there's hardly anyone I'm close with, man. My circle is very, 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 small very tight i'm still cool with a lot of people i know a lot of people but i don't like i'm not the type of person that's trying to have this big circle and like yeah. networking and stuff i don't give a fuck dude same you're right i think back then i was just surrounded by a lot of negative and toxic people and another thing that i realized that a person is not meant to be in my life when they start gaslighting me that's a trigger for me like, do not gaslight me. Can you define what gaslighting means? So basically, gaslighting has been someone... I don't know if people can... Sorry to interrupt, but I don't know if people have been hearing the rooster in the background. We are at Moby's farm, where we recorded the first episode of my podcast with Moby. And man, it's something about, you know, having like animals around. It's just The thing is, I don't get is... Why is the rooster screeching right now? She or, wants attention. She knows that we're doing yeah. a podcast. It's not 5 a.m. Poor. <laughs> Look, it's just nonstop, man. Your rooster is broken. It's just like it's malfunctioning. It keeps screeching or I don't know. What's the term for? Uh, no, I call her Kim Kardashian because she's the Kim Kardashian of all roosters. <laughs> Anyways, so, going back to what you were saying, sorry yeah. to interrupt you. No, no. So when someone gaslights me and gaslighting is basically flipping the script on you in order to make you feel that what you are saying is invalid. 
And slowly, when you notice that when someone continue to gaslight you, you slowly start to question your own reality, your own sanity. So it's like they manipulate you. Yeah, it's very manipulative. I'll give you an example. So that guy that we talked about. So one day, he said something that pissed me off. And I think he said something like, you're very incompetent or something like that. And then I turned around and I'm like, don't call me that. I just called him out on it. And he said, no, if you were listening to me, that he's like, he said, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. They continued denying you're right, told, but you heard yeah, them. You heard, heard them, them call you But uh, they, they keep on denying it. And then you start to question yourself. Like, oh, am I going crazy? Is I Were they it's right? Like, Dude, I heard what you yeah. said. And then I was like, no, 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 no. I heard what you said. And that's not cool. They continue to deny it. So it kind of makes you really question reality and your own sanity. And that's very detrimental to your own health. So, I mean, dude, if you said something and... You said something wrong, just be like, yeah, admit, own up to it and apologize. Yeah. Don't deny it. Yeah. See, because narcissists are like that. Narcissists will never, ever, ever accept that they're wrong. And bro, there's a lot of narcissists oh, out there right now. Oh my God, dude. It's insane. We're I'm a like, generation what? of narcissists. I was like, dude, it's like, there's the second, like when I was working on myself and really understanding what manipulation is, what gaslighting is. This is what actually made me cut out a lot of people from my life because they're all manipulative. They're all narcissists. And that kind of scared me a little bit because I was like, fuck, dude, like how many people in my life are like this? Because let me tell you, narcissists try to control you by making you doubt your own reality. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, dude. But I think. Can yeah. I ask you a question? Yeah. So in the past, you've had a lot of these kind of people in your life, narcissists, people with bad intentions. Do you feel like there's a reason you've attracted those people in your life? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It all boils down to my childhood, but I'm not really going to get into that. But through therapy and everything, that's when I came to realize that. So at least you've identified a source yes. of why that is. You okay. know what? I used to uh, like, I always used to chase after things that people would never give me. And... Because I really wanted people's approval and I wanted people to like me so much. That's why I was, used to put up with all that bullshit. But at the time, I didn't know I was putting up with this bullshit. I just thought that that's what it is. Like, this is, I can't explain it to you. It's. Do you feel like that's linked to your pursuit and, or desire to be an actor? Because acting is about putting on a performance, it is about Ooh. approval by casting directors or someone deeming you worthy or your performance worthy, you're putting something, you're a show out there and you know people are judging it. So do you feel like that pattern that you identified in childhood that attracted certain people is also why you're pursuing acting? Oh, damn, look at you coming through with the questions. My Dr. Phil here. <laughs> Where's the PhD? Give him his doctor title. You know what, I actually thought about that and no, answer is no because what i really chase after acting is the outlet for me to be as creative as i possibly can and one thing i learned about myself is that i look at the world around me and i always pick up on things that i always find really interesting that could be translated into a story and i've been like that ever since i was a kid i always had that eye for i look at a scene like we're looking outside right okay People can't really describe. See it. Okay, describe what we're looking at. Also. So right now there's grass. It's all green, and there's palm trees everywhere. There's trees, and they're swaying back and forth. 
So I look at that right now and I just like, I look at one aspect, I let take a little area and I'm like, man, that'd be a really nice shot for a movie. And then we can just pan and show the entire scenery of it. So I've always been really visual, visual. I had, you know, stories to tell. And I kid you not, I'm going to show you right now, actually. All right. He's in my notes, since 2013, I used to pick up a lot of funny things that people used to say. And I always say, oh, my God, that would be funny in a movie. Dude, that'll yeah, be, yeah. I, can, I can definitely relate to that, especially when I was writing. Yeah. Listen to conversations and, you know, pick yeah. up on those things. So you can see everything here. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> like all the funny things that actually happened. And... Do you mind if I have a look? Yeah, yeah, Is go ahead. Okay? But there's two. There's actually, there's two. And there's one here. Okay, okay. Here, here. Uh, I just want to have a look because I also do the same thing. Like I'll take notes and see that, see that they like I have, you know, different ideas I write down. But I've always been very visual. He's I've always wanted to. He's, he's pulled the phone away. I guess he doesn't want me to look oh, here, at here, it. Here, here, here. <laughs> <laughs> Buy toilet paper and laxatives. No, I'm just okay, kidding. so go can over I see it. it? Just go over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, guy singing in the car to Jessica Simpson. People stare. He stops, but second time he snaps. Can't people sing in their cars in this country anymore? Thinking about how people in Doha are like, and he doesn't want to be like them. Exotically oppressed. Okay, so, and there's more and stuff. Okay, I get the idea. These are kind of just like funny words, funny little buzzwords that I... Yeah, hear. you're jotting things down. It's, so that's another line that I've heard. Talking about life and her friend, call girl. That is life. Family party feud. Awkward moments in standing and being seen. Bitch babe. <laughs> that's a word that... <laughs> that's a... <laughs> that's a cool word. Boss babe. Bitch babe. $7,000. Oh my God. This is just as much as a Hermes bag? Hermes bag. Hermes bag? That's something my sister said. And I'm like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Your sister that said that? That's yeah. so funny. Oh man, we could, it's an endless list. But yeah, okay, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So you've had that. And a lot of creative people are like that. You know, they, yeah. they observe things, they observe things in life, conversations, visuals, scenarios, and they jot them down. And it's like creative inspiration. Yeah. But no, it has, initially, I really did think maybe this is why I'm chasing after acting because it's like trying to get something that is very hard to attain or it's something that, you know, when you walk into an audition, there's like a role, it's like hanging like a chocolate in front of you and you're like, oh, you want this? You want this? And you need you to do a trick. Yeah. You got to do this, you know? Initially, I thought that's what it was. And then I'm like, I had through reading therapy, working on myself. I always saw myself going back into acting. And then I just, you know, came to the conclusion like, no, I generally love acting because I love telling stories. I love embodying different characters because for me, that is one way to really understand the world around me is to really embody a different person, ideology, dude, something that's different. You were me. on the way here. You were telling me to watch Don't Look Up. Oh, dude, that's the best movie so far. And you were talking about how it's like a reflection of society. Can you tell us more about that without giving spoilers? I will give spoilers. I don't give a shit. Okay, so spoiler alert. I haven't even I, seen it, dude, but... No, okay. no, no, I'm not going to give spoilers. No spoilers. I'm not going to give spoilers. So basically, it's about this really big event that's going to come and it's going to wipe out all humanity. So that's one PhD student and her professor trying to warn everybody. So they went to the United States president. She was like, oh, my God, I can't do this because of my next election. And they went to the media. They're like, oh, my God, you know, we, let's put our money in there to invest a lot of money because that's where people are going to, you know, care about the most. The world's going to end and the media gonna... is just trying to and get media, uh, views. Typical. The media is like, we hear like this really great thing is going to come, is going to wipe out everybody. Some say it's bad, but some say it's actually really good. So what's your take on that? 
that. And we're like, they're like, good, it's going to come and wipe out all of humanity. What are you talking about? There's nothing good about that. Yeah. So it's kind of like what is going on with COVID right now and climate change, where people are not taking it seriously. But you got scientists trying to warn everybody. It's like, oh, in five years, you know, there's going to be a huge ass like wipe out entire world. Please. I don't know. This guy's going to happen. Get... So nobody come after me, okay? Because I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I will not talk back. Do not get me. St don't start COVID. Do not start a COVID discussion. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. It's similar to that, okay? Nobody come after me because I bite back. He does bite back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so go ahead. Yeah, into... it's a good move. It's like it's a good reflection on today's society, really. Yeah. Yeah. It is ridiculous it's... society. I know in the last episode we did, you talked about meditation and how meditation's helped you so much. You know, what's your advice this year? What's something people can take away? What's something you want to work on or think about? Learning to stay still and not let anxiety get the best of me. When anxiety does happen, just relax, breathe. Everything is okay. No need to react to everything. No, dude, it's okay. And you know what? It's like 99% of the things that we think about didn't even happen. You know, things that we stress about didn't even happen. So just I was trying to like my... 2022 resolution is to stay still and not allow anxiety to get the best of me and just allow things to pan out how they're supposed to pan out and be okay if things didn't work out the way it did because towards the end of the day i'm just really grateful to be alive and you know to be here as cliche as it sounds but you know in today's age with covid and people getting sick everywhere it's like you just really value your health and value the fact that you're still alive that's so true. Yeah, you definitely, uh, I know what you mean when it comes to like not spiraling down that rabbit hole of negative thoughts where, I don't know, let's say, I don't know if someone's a student out there or whatever, like, oh, I can't hand in my assignment. Oh, because I can't hand in my assignment, I'm going to fail the class. Because I'm going to fail the class, I'm going to fail university. Because I'm going to fail university, I'm going to be jobless. Because I'm going to be jobless, I'm going to be out in the street. And you just go down, you spiral down you know, all these negative worst case scenarios instead of being like, okay, I don't have an assignment. I get a bad grade. So what? Yeah. I'm not going to be home. Like people automatically go to the absolute worst thing and you have to stop yourself. And I know people like I know people who have that kind of thinking and I try to get them to stop. I try to get them to not spiral down. Like, okay, hold on, stop. Acknowledge the situation for what it is. Okay, it's bad, but it is what it is. And it doesn't necessarily mean the worst case scenario that you're thinking is going to happen. Yeah, dude. And I do remember back at university, I didn't even realize that I had a really bad anxiety. I didn't know until recently, actually, like back in December, I was hanging out with my friend and he pointed it out. He was like, damn, I'm like, you're, so, you're always so anxious. And it just hit me then because he also said, he's like, you know, it's not really good because you're 30 years old. You have to really, you know, calm yourself down. You're a dirty 30. A dirty 30, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like 30 years old, like your 30s is when you have to really let go of a lot of bullshit. Yeah. You know, like mature and just like let go of all that bullshit that yeah. in your 20s. I honestly didn't even realize that like that was my problem, that I had a really bad case of anxiety. And then I began thinking of the time when I was at university and how most of my class, well, not most, but the classmates that I know of, I remember when we used to apply to school trips, we used to apply to exchange programs. And I used to be so anxious. I'm like, cause I wanted it so bad. And I'm like, if, if I don't get that, I'm going to be so disappointed. You remember when I didn't get into the exchange program and they, fucking, they screwed me over? So 
I'm going to share this story briefly, but basically the head of our department, the head of communication, I had spoken to him at the time and I told him like, listen, I want to withdraw from one of the classes. It was statistics because I wasn't doing too well in it. And I'm like, is that okay? Because it was one of the core classes. He's like, it's fine. You can do it later. I'm like, is it going to affect me going to the exchange program in Evanston? And he's like, no, not at all. It's fine. So, okay, cool. I move on. And then we got a new professor who gets promoted to that position. And then when it comes time to go to the exchange, I'm the only person who gets rejected. And I remember like I was so upset. I was really upset because the former head of communications told me, you'll be fine. He gave me permission. And I remember going to the new head of communication and telling him like, what the hell, man? And it felt like he was trying to make an example out of me. He's like, no, you don't have your core classes. I'm like, I literally got permission from the former head of communication. He said, it's fine. If you withdraw it, you can do it later. You can even do it on the exchange program. It was one class. And he's like, do you have that in email? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, get out of my office. Wow. And man, that stung, man. That was a big learning lesson. I remember I was, I was so upset. And you guys, all my friends went to this exchange program in Evanston for six months. I didn't go and I was so upset. I mean, that stung when he was like, do you have it in email? I felt completely like I was really, that really, really upset me, man. Like he really screwed me over. It was very malicious, but I learned a lesson. I learned a lesson. Unfortunately, sometimes it's important to have proof. Sometimes it's important to have email threads because, you know, I was young and naive and I thought someone's word means something. Yeah. And I tried to go to that former head of communication because he had a different position and he was just ducking me. He didn't want responsibility for it. And yeah, I mean, I lost a lot of respect for him because, you know, your word is all you've got. Your word is your bond. And you know that, right, bro? There's a lot of snakes at that university, though, back there's then. There's a lot of snakes everywhere. There yeah. are a lot of snakes everywhere. I mean, the grass that we feel that we're on a farm right now, there's probably snakes out there, man. Yeah. It's true. You can't control external factors, especially people. But... I would say try to make sure you have a good circle around you and cut off toxic people, limit your exposure to people with bad vibes or bad intentions, just protect your energy as much as you can. I think going into yeah. 2022, that should be the whole idea is protect your energy. Dude, protecting your energy is really important. That, that is really important because I can't tell you the amount of times where I would stress over shit that stress over people that didn't really care. Yeah. So, man, it's been really good having you on the podcast again. Moby is definitely going to be he gets the title of the regular on the curated advice on better living. And we're going to constantly track, you know, both of our progress and discuss the web series. Now you're casting for the web series. The actual production was moved to May. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. And, you know, for the listeners out there, if you enjoyed the conversation and you want more great content, make sure to follow the podcast. Give us a good review. Tell a friend about it, an aunt, a neighbor, whoever, and protect your energy. Take care for now. You've been listening to Curated Advice on Better Living. It's our passion to interview guests on their experiences to bring you different perspectives on personal development, on everything from healthy habits to mindset to relationships to functional movement and biohacking. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And we hope you've gotten some information that can change your mindset. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, we'll leave you with this from Bruce Lee. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow. 
or it can crash. Be water, my friends.